Hello and welcome to Aftem. Today's guest is Esther, who is a versatile singer-songwriter moving from ambient rock to alt R&B, rooted in lush vocals and guitar. Informed by her experience as a third culture kid from Finland and Singapore, she weaves stories and feelings about in-between places, whether performing solo with DJ TLO or with the band Tiger Bomb. She draws an audience to reflect, laugh, and heal. This is Esther. So we're going to start with writing and recording music, right? Uh, so can you discuss your songwriting process and how you approach creating new music? I know it's a very vague question and it's a very open one to start the podcast with, but... Let's just go for it. Let's go for it. Yeah, let's go for it. Uh, my my process for songwriting is uh, not a process. It's just like a series of accidents. And um, it's very chaotic and not premeditated. Like, I think process implies a certain amount of, like, order and forethought that I don't have. I know what you mean, because <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. You do? Why? Um... Well, I start off with an idea and then whatever I create in the end is not what seems to be create like thought in the beginning. Like I, I just leave a lot of room for impromptu acts that when I start, it's like it's just a starting point type of thing. The idea in the beginning is starting point and later on as I progress into making the piece, it's com- it just turns out to be whatever it wants type of thing. Is, is that, am I on That's the right? That's so crazy because I realized you said I have an idea, mm-hmm. a seed of a thought or an emotion, usually an emotion, but sometimes just like uh, a marketing idea where I'm like, haha, it would be like cool to have a song about this. Like mm. that's a good hook. So I have a hook and then I go into creating the song and I get all my raw materials out there, like my lyrics and stuff, and then I just keep seeing what fits. I feel like that's the way to go, more over anything. Just because as an artist, I feel, and this, I feel like this can go for all the arts, yeah. right? Is that with a premeditated plan, we go into it with one type of feeling. And as we continue making our pieces, we we think to ourselves, oh, like I want to add a splash of joyfulness, but very subtle. And then I want to add a, a splash of sadness, very subtle. And I want to add anger, a lot of it, you know. So when creating and during the process of creating, I feel like once if we do something that's premeditated, it's just going to it's going to take all that emotion and all that um all that rawness you know and it's just going to become a, another task rather than another art piece um and that's for whatever field you're in mm. you catch my drift yeah i do i feel like when a song is engineered you can hear it yeah and sometimes that's good like with the songs for uh, the love is blind soundtrack i don't know if you've ever watched that show Yeah, we were on that shit <laughs> <laughs> you know how it's like all music yeah yeah i actually follow this guy he's like an amazing singer songwriter josh sahunta mm-hmm. follow him on instagram um and he has this like 
moniker J Swift and he does his like love is blind sinks under that because they'll be like it needs to be a song about this and then he writes it so I do feel like there is like a lot of room for that kind of like engineered sort of cold metallic stuff Mm -hmm. in the culture but I think um when you're looking for something a bit more wild Mm -hmm. that is when you do have to follow your instincts yeah um In that sense, could you say then that it is more like passion project versus um, work project type of thing? You know what I mean? I I do. I do. That's actually a really good insight. I feel like you can't follow commercial and artistic impulses at the same time. No. I think it's too hard. And and maybe you can alternate between them. Mm. Um, But I definitely feel like on most of my projects, especially the All Tied Up EP, I was like, what would happen if I really didn't think about any commercial considerations? Mm. And that that project was like necessary for me to to carve that permission out inside of myself. And then now I'm in a headspace where I'm like, I want to create a project that blends stuff that has like widespread appeal and it has commercial potential, but also like honors yes. that artistic permission. Yes. Before I forget, something else I wanted to say is, do you know the the writer Madeline Lengel? She wrote that big children's novel, the t- A Wrinkle in Time. Yo, I grew up in a different place. So oh, you I, did? <laughs> I grew Where up in South up? Africa. So like... That makes a lot, <laughs> a lot of sense. Does it? Yeah. Why is that? Because Madeline Lengel, Wrinkle in Time, like if you grew up in Canada, yeah. you like had to read that book. Oh, really? We had to read like, what? To Kill, to kill a Mockingbird? Mm. Jay? No, Bird. To Kill a Mockingbird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah, we had to read that book. And um, it was more like, I don't know, the, the books we read as a kid were um, like Tom the cat and i don't know tom the cat tom the cat and pepper or something not pepper pig like everything anyway we diverge a lot okay where i was going with a wrinkle in time (laughs) is that madeline lingle she writes a lot about um being an artist and she says that the art is something that comes to you and you have to be a servant to it yeah so it tells you what it wants and you referred to that earlier on in the conversation and so i think my the art that comes to me in this time is just very timid i have Mm. to be like what do you want and they're kind of like uh a house guest that doesn't tell you what they really want until you ask them like eight times that's a cat that's a cat (laughs) (laughs) so i think my art is just like a lot of house cats Mm. and i'm like trying to engage them and they just keep walking away from me and then they're like i want the toy no i don't want it (laughs) Mm. i know what you mean and then like whenever an idea feels like it's okay to come to you and it's like okay let me just come caress her a little bit and then you're like oh right this here this works a lot you know um like that's how i read it at least so and also cats bother you when you're trying to fall asleep and i find that 
in that moment of between waking and sleeping, I always like get an idea. And then I'm like, oh, I could go to sleep now or I could get up and write it and then maybe not be able to fall asleep. But every time I get up and I write down the idea, like I never regret it. Like, for example, okay, so one time I was falling asleep and I had like a flash of a woman wearing like um, Marie Antoinette uh, period like gown. Mm hmm. Uh, except it was made out of you know those like little you didn't grow up here so maybe you don't know it but no name has these like mini marshmallows in pastel colors okay do you know what i'm talking about Alyssa? yes iconic um so the dress was actually made out of the marshmallows oh so she was like an aristocrat but she was kind of like emperor's new clothes like wearing something but not really wearing anything and so i wrote that down and I was like, that's probably just not going to be helpful. But actually on my upcoming project that mm-hmm. I'm doing with Tilo, who is my producer friend. Nice. Um, shout out. Shout outs to Tilo. <laughs> I'm writing a song called Pastel. And the lyric right now where it stands is like, um, your hate is pastel. It cuts like a kitten, mm. a deep well. So um, I was drawing on this idea of how power and and the things that like really hurt us they often like come across so like benign mm-hmm. not actually harmful um but just like you might have to get antibiotics if the cat you're sitting scratches you because it cuts so deep that's true <laughs> yeah yeah um even though all these things that we infantilize like kittens and 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 um anyways all that to say is i do feel like ideas come to me at very inconvenient times and they seem like nonsense and maybe they are nonsense Mm -hmm. but i find that really deeply valuable and that's my creative process nice i have a question for you and like this is me taken from from the art department right so like i've had a few guests come on say quinn and a few others anyway they say that when you create just go on to your computer or get your notepad and just start writing start doodling or whatever you don't necessarily have to get into the ability of like getting an aha moment you know because the moment you start is the moment ideas will eventually start flowing um, into your mind and your body and soul whatever you want to call it i i think that that has like really wide applicability so I've just noticed after being in um, COVID lockdown with my partner, who is a male, mm-hmm. <laughs> that his daily routine is like so consistent. Mm-hmm. And for me, like, I don't know if it's because I'm a woman and like my hormonal levels are fluctuating like throughout the month. But um, yes, the part I agree with is that when I'm writing and I'm like in that space and Mm. I'm revisiting that space constantly, like I totally agree. It's like this stuff starts coming up and you don't run out. It like gets better. But I also find that I reach a point and I don't know if it's just like when I'm PMSing or something that I feel fatigued and I have to like pull back. Yeah. So I don't know if you feel that way. I I can't speak for you (laughs) but i i can at the same time say yes i do feel at some point i'm like okay i need a break mentally right so i will take that mental break and when i do take that mental break i'm like 
holy hell, I need another day. And then I'm like, okay, I need another day. Um, so I, I can't speak on your side of it, of course. But then from my side, I, I'll, I'll use the gym actually, because I was talking to Alyssa about this. Like I took a week or two from the gym, right? And I, I was just like, no, I need to relax after doing it for so long. And when I came back to it, like I hit two personal bests, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I was like, whoa, I just hit two personal bests. Mm -hmm. And like what I was saying, yes, like there is truth to it. But then what, like there's also truth to the side of you need to take breaks in order to come back and feel rejuvenated and like to be even better at what you're doing. You know, you just need to take a step back away from everything. So, yeah, you're giving me the eyes. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah, I think rest is, rest is, um, I'm still figuring out like how to rest and when to rest. Actually not how, but when. <laughs> I know mm. how to rest. <laughs> <laughs> but it's hard to, it's hard to have that like discernment to know what you need to be focusing on. Mm. Um, on that note, mm. um, while we're discussing challenges, uh, can you discuss any specific challenge or triumphs or triumphs you've experienced while writing or recording music? Well, I'll start with the positive. Yeah. I normally start with negative. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, when I'm hearing something in my mind and then I am able to get it out onto the MP3 file, like to me, there is like that feeling is so good mm. when like the sound and the feeling and the vision like all match up. Like those are the magic moments yes. that make it also worth it. Yes. Um, so on Human Alchemy, for example, I was working with. It uh, was so dope. Uh, yeah, I'm bringing it up because you liked I, it, which I, I love. Had it on repeat, and it's <laughs> like it's one of my like go to songs on the playlist. Sorry, yes. I'm just like <laughs> <laughs> that makes me so happy because with that song, like there's so many sounds that I obsessed over. Like yeah. for example, like um the the drums. Like I was trying to tell the producer Rob, um, my good friend Rob, shout outs to Rob. Nice. That when the drums hit, I wanted it to sound like yeah yeah and he was like do you mean like this and i'm like no do you mean like this i'm like no and i think it took us like three sessions which is so inefficient on my part but um you just have a vision yeah i had a vision yeah yeah and and he helped me and we got there and then every time i hear that in the song i'm like yes mm. so i i feel like those are the the moments of triumph that maybe people don't really think about when they're looking at a different artistic practice but i feel like um like there are different kinds of victories that keep you going mm -hmm. um and i've never won an award so i don't know what that feels like those feelings that you get from realizing your vision like when i think about why i do art mm -hmm. i'm like uh at this point i'm not doing it for money <laughs> i'm not really doing it for validation i'm not doing it for for all these reasons so i'm like oh well why do i do it mm. And I come back to those moments. Um, there's just something very satisfying about that. And yeah, just yeah. that that does keep me going. Yeah. There I I mean, I'm gonna go back to the drum that you mentioned. You're like like just that. It it's subtle, but it's there. And honestly, it's just the subtle aspects of an art piece that make it 
amazing mm. more over anything like like you you have the overall image of it or like overall sound of it but then at the same time like those the synths and like the subtle shakers in the background for instance the echoes in the vo of of the vocals like all of these are subtle but then they just they add atmosphere to whatever you're making i feel like like for instance looking at my work it's like okay my work is gruesome but like the scarring on the pieces gruesome in a delicious way <laughs> oh my god i can't believe you just said that yeah. <laughs> but like all those subtle markings you know like yeah. the the scarrings like they're subtle like if if you zoom into it you'll see it like you can see the overall image of it but then like having each one different mm. just makes the overall piece a whole yeah you know so like things like that so yeah like i love what you said about that um so what about the challenges yeah i would say the whole thing feels like a challenge mm -hmm. uh that's the pervasive feeling and I think like breaking through that feeling is really what I struggle with like during the pandemic I, I really thought I was doing fine but in hindsight like I was not doing fine I think like when I'm making art and I start to question like what's the point like am I just like totally wasting my time and everyone's time and like losing faith in um the point of being creative mm -hmm. like that's something that that i struggle with a lot and maybe that's because i'm an emerging artist and i don't receive like a lot of like uh money or, or or like external validation or like push to keep going but um i think when the pandemic was ending i was really like struggling with those feelings and they were getting in the way of being creative mm. and and connecting with other people so I think like the isolation and the lack of collaboration and like what we're doing right now. Yeah. I was really feeling that and it was hard to break through. And it took a lot of months of like taking in the beauty of the world and like connecting with other people to to stop thinking about the metrics. I think like when you're at home a lot and you're like on your phone or you're on social media or whatever, like everything starts being mediated through a screen and you lose touch of the humanity of other people. Yes, that's and, true. Yeah, so I was true. feeling like a lot of um, jealousy and and like I, I get so annoyed when I feel jealous because I just know that that means that like I'm not doing what I should be doing because if I was doing what I should be doing, <laughs> I wouldn't feel jealous. But yeah. jealousy is that like f that that finger in your soul being like, hey, like I want what they have like like yeah. why why aren't we why aren't we doing that like why aren't we making art or why aren't we putting ourselves out there or why aren't we doing whatever yeah and so i was just like so wrapped up in these emotions and and it's like it's a place that like when i'm not in that place i totally forget it exists mm. and i'm like i'm on the top of the world and i'll never not be on top of the world <laughs> and then when i'm back there again i'm like i'm in the pit of hell and i will never not be in the pit of hell <laughs> so it's like yeah, it's like such a mind game when, especially when you're like emerging or you're you're in the beginning stages of a project, maybe by yourself or you're writing. Like, yes. I have to I have to connect with myself mm. in such a way that I that I continue to 
to be in touch with my humanity through the act of creation. And that's like so hard. I love the way you put that. Thanks. Yeah, it's really hard. Like, and I, I feel like people, it's a hard thing to talk about on social media because it's so nuanced. And so yeah, you start well, feeling isolated by that emotion. Yeah, I, I feel you with that. I feel like you just see people like creating things, yeah. right? Like constantly. And like, I'm going to, like, I, I have slowly become part of this community. Um, like, I don't do Chrome, Chrome art, but then I've become part of a community that does Chrome art. Mm. And like, I've always been like, dude, like, I'm, like, why aren't I producing anything at your rate at like as fast as you are type mm. of thing, you know, because these people would be producing a work every two days. And I was here like some people are like crazy where they produce it every day mm. and they're just pushing it and pushing it. And I see they're like commissions open, commissions closed, commissions open, commissions closed. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, that'd be so like, I'd right? be like, and I'm there like, oh my god, I'm like trying to create a piece every week, right? Do you think like um, those communities are like gendered? Like, um, there is a girl I'm actually in collaboration with for a, a piece, um, and her work is phenomenal. <laughs> um there's a lot of quality to it mm -hmm. you know to me she stands out she she stands out a lot more than or like more than 80 percent 80 percent of my peers mm -hmm. in this community and for the most part though to answer your question yes it's like yeah like she doesn't pour out things as frequently but when she puts something out god damn it is amazing mm -hmm. right um what's her name I don't remember goblin something. <laughs> I love that so much. That's not what I was expecting at all. I thought it was going to be like Shelby makes, but it's like. Yeah, it's like goblin something. Goblin. Um, oh, that's good. But yeah, like, like in terms of that, I, I really, she's one of the people I look up to mm -hmm. um, in the community as well. Just because like, like, yeah, she, she also adds that reassurance to me. You know, mm -hmm. that yeah. like you don't have to worry about pouring things out at everybody's rate. Like just chill, do it mm -hmm. at your own speed and you'll see. And if people love your work, they won't care how long it takes for you to pour out. If you're if they believe that your work is of greatness, they will come to you when you release something. Uh, yeah. And I, I think it's the bias of like you you see people posting on it instagram when they've done something you don't see me when i'm like like wrapped up in my thoughts at home mm. paralyzed like mm. unable to do or share anything about myself mm. and so we're comparing ourselves only to like the tip of the, exactly. the mountain the people who are who are out there and who have like set up their life in a way that they can produce things and so i think like for me something that I have to do is that like if I'm in a season of just like you know needing to pull back mm -hmm. that I just don't go looking at what other people are doing yeah and that's because my ego is so fragile at this point that I need to like handle her you know mm -hmm. um but like right now I'm in a mode of like creating a lot of things doing a lot of things sharing a lot of things and so I'm like on Instagram feeling like like, oh, yeah, like, what are other people doing? And it's like, 
a totally different mindset. Yeah. But when I'm not in this mode, like I just I I can't do it. And I don't know why. Like maybe that's something that I'll grow in eventually, but it's hard to be constantly engaging. Yeah, I feel you. Like I'm speaking for myself. When emerging, you are mainly doing it for yourself. Mm-hmm. And then as you grow, you start doing it for other people as well. Yeah, and I I think as an emerging artist, you're always like, you're like, okay, when am I going to get to the next level? When am I going to get to the next level? And the special thing about this season is that you can pretty much do whatever you want because Mm. no one cares. Mm. That's true. And then once you do succeed, you're like, oh, damn, like I can't do that anymore because this person is giving me money for this project and they don't want that, you know? Yeah. Or like my fans won't understand it. So like, I think something to remember as emerging artists is that like, don't take the freedom you have for granted. Because yes. maybe in the future, your circumstances will be different That's and you true. won't have that same freedom. That's so true. That said, can you discuss any musical or non-musical influences that have shaped your style? Well, going back to talking about growing up in a house without arts and culture, <laughs> I grew up in a very religious household. Same. Okay, here we go. Off to the races. That we are going to get into this, but my my dad, he grew up in Singapore. Mm. He's Chinese. Um that's also a young country like I said, colonized by the British, and so he grew up sort of learning English and now he can't really talk with his mom because she doesn't speak English. Oh. So one of those. And then my mom grew up in a Finnish farming household. And so they were very like, there were choirs and there were church, but and there was mostly just like working really hard. Mm. Um, and obviously that's still a culture, but it wasn't a culture that introduced her to a lot of like uh, visual art or music or anything. And they both uh, were born again Christians in their teens. Oh, and that term, man. They were back memories. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm about to bring back memories. Let me know if it's too much and I'll stop. But they they connected based on their values and their shared faith. Mm. And so the foundation of the household I grew up in was that faith is over culture. Mm-hmm. Because our faith transcends our culture and and mom and dad, this is what we have in common. And we may not be sharing cultural influences and celebrating those cultural influences, although there were cultural elements of my household. Um, but we're going to like focus on this, this culture, this Christian culture, which was a lot of like, I don't know if you know the vineyard movement. Um, it was a lot of like the wow worship CDs. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a lot <laughs> of like a not dressing up as a witch or a ghost for Halloween. Like, like yeah. they don't call that cultural, but it is cultural. Man, like I hate I hated <laughs> that I couldn't celebrate Halloween. Oh, you couldn't celebrate Halloween. No, I Damn. couldn't. Damn. Yeah, yeah I, I think growing, maturing as an artist has been realizing that like, if spirituality and the divine exist, they are channeled through arts and culture. Mm, okay. And we don't need to be cleansing ourselves of arts and culture in order to be closer to the holy. That actually, like, the material is divine. And as an artist, um, your work is to channel the spiritual into the material, which in your case is, like, JPEG files or PNG TIFF. I don't know. Uh, but PNG. PNG. But EXR, too. 
Okay. I yeah. have never heard of that. That's so cool. Um, EXR. EXR. Yes. And for EXR. me, it would be like wave files, right? So yeah. wave. Wave and MP4. <laughs> yeah. So I think like the way that that works itself out in my art is that I need to have my music attached to a feeling or like an idea because growing up in church, maybe musicians weren't trained um, to like play the right notes, but the room was always searching for this feeling of transcendence, right? Mm. And so like my musical training, even though it took me a long time to realize it was that, was to find the feeling um, in the music. And, and you can even do that with three chords. Mm. So you don't need to have like everything to make a song and you kind of bootstrap with like what you've got. Yeah. So the other aspect of that is um, singability and like bringing people along for the ride is, is big for me when I perform in public. Um, but going back to my household, arts and culture that were present include the Carpenters, John Denver. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Nat King Cole. Nice. Uh, Finnish choirs. Um, Finnish, as in like Finland? Yeah. Yeah. My mom is Finnish. Yeah, and like a lot of like Christian contemporary music. So for better or for worse, you will hear all of those things mm. in my art. They're just maybe dressed up in uh, slightly different aesthetics. Wow. I just <laughs> learned something new. Today I learned. Like w- w- just you saying that, I'm like, I see that. <laughs> like, wow. Like it's there. It's there. Holy hell. Uh, what kind of Christianity did you grow up with? Oh, man. Africa is different with Christianity. Okay, I just need to mention <laughs> so that you know that I understand yeah. that in first year at York University, yeah. I joined an extremely Pentecostal um, Christian group. And most of the attendees, yeah. like over 80% were first generation immigrants from um, like the Caribbean or like Ethiopia or West Africa. Oh. And so I experienced... <laughs> african christianity okay, okay and and everything that entails yeah. and actually i i learned a lot about music during that time <laughs> they love their music and they love their praising um the way they praise god is very different than like i see people here praising god like here it's like okay we'll just sit we have the congregation but yeah everybody is like civilized And then, like, in Africa, everybody is jumping for joy. And, like, it's like a a full celebration type Mm -hmm. of thing, Mm -hmm. you know. So, like, just that. That is, that's the type that I grew up in. But at the same time, um, with colonialism and whatnot, like, a lot of people who are Christians in Africa do not believe in their culture, Mm-hmm. anymore just because they were taught that okay their culture is like witchcraft and whatnot like that yeah um this is, this is this is not everybody um just like yeah putting it out there but for the most part right that, that's kind of how it was so like i i understand what you're saying um when you're saying like culture and um culture and holiness i'll, I'll yeah. say could be put together i i understand that but for the most part like growing up that was like they were always divided 
yeah. for me. Yeah. You know, it was always one or the other. Yeah. Um, so I just ended up doing my own thing ish, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. Because, I, like, I don't know, my, my work is not very, it's not as holy as I would. I actually would disagree because, <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so if you look at the Jewish Bible, mm-hmm. uh, humanity is called image bearer. Like, we are supposed to reflect back something about, like, the one true God, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think people have this, like, impulse in, like, Protestantism to, like, disparage what has come out of our culture. Yeah. But actually, like, culture is neither good nor bad, in my opinion. Like, it's something that comes out of us as humans. And so if we bear the image of God, culture should be beautiful. Mm, And maybe it has aspects that can be critiqued, but um, it is something that channels the divine, whether we want it to or not. Yes. Like, there's no such thing as secular art. Maybe yeah. if you grow up in a home that like uses that word, but like in my opinion, there is no such thing as like secular or religious art. Mm. Maybe something just has more overt religious themes. But like we have this like culture in the West that like makes the religious very sentimental. Like think precious moments or like touched by an angel. But like if you actually go back to the Jewish Bible and you look at the images, like they're freaky yeah they're super i need to see some of this and that's why i'm saying like your art like i hate to break it to you but it's very (laughs) in a way like like to me it is very spiritual like if you you. if Um, in my opinion it's extremely (laughs) spiritual and uh we just like always want to like bisect things into like Mm. like religious not religious holy not holy like grotesque not grotesque and i just think like there's truth in those divides and there's truth in like erasing the the divide so like if you look at jewish jewish descriptions of angels Mm -hmm. they're like wings covered in eyes yes yes and angels say human uh, do not be afraid most of the time before because uh, they're freaky yeah. yeah when visiting people by the way so yeah, like that's uh, yeah, Mary Joseph. Joseph was his, her husband, right? An angel visited Joseph, and it said, uh, "Human, do not be afraid." That's the first thing when he was passing over the message that Mary is going to be born with the Son of God, right? Yeah. Okay, I got that right. I think I got yeah, that you did. right. Okay, good. good, good. <laughs> <laughs> um. So kind of talked about this but can we touch a little more on it how do you approach incorporating different sounds or genres into your music yeah i I think um i I just follow the feeling that's it yeah it's just about the feeling yeah and i used to be really embarrassed about like coming from like pretty corny musical backgrounds like christian contemporary music is quite it can be very corny oh man but at the same time like looking at music today bro mary j blige like one of her songs, Good Morning Gorgeous, that's like one of my top songs of this year. Okay, that's gospel. And gospel, there is no <laughs> shame in having a background in gospel. But if you have like a background in like, if the name Chris Tomlin rings a bell to you, like you know what I'm talking about. Like it's very like, 
I grew up wanting to be in U2 and I wasn't. And now I'm going to make music that sounds like U2 for the rest of all time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so like going back to what I was saying earlier, I'm trying to approach my art in like more of an agnostic way where I'm not being like, this is corny or like this is this is too close to where I came from. Mm. I'm trying to really like turn that on its head and be like, exactly. This is where I came from. Like. I like if, that. If, You're embracing yes. where you came from. Yeah. If every story, like if every person has value and worth, then then my story has worth too, even the parts that I think are like icky or like embarrassing. And so I think for me, incorporating textures into into mm. my art is like thinking less about thinking less about external things and just really centering in. Hey, just a fresh quick reminder if you aren't subscribed please do so it helps us out yeah that's it that's the whole ad this is the challenge of being an independent artist like in my mind sometimes i think maybe i'll just go into pr and i'll get my nails done all the time <laughs> and i'll get blowouts and i'll live in like a condo on a high floor and i will go to the gym and i'll have peloton and have in my peloton. mind i'm like <laughs> wow like that'd be amazing then maybe i'll like go to a cabana pool bar on the weekend but i just i really like nice things (laughs) 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 so being an independent artist like i have many nice things like the the time to create and Mm. and like the freedom to create the way that i want to but i do think that like the older i get the more i get anxious about money And I start thinking about like sustainability, like Mm -hmm. especially being a woman, like if you want to have kids, like you have to freeze your eggs or you have to like have kids. And then that like obviously is a challenge to make art and to have kids. Um, I guess kids can also make your art more dynamic and and make you more like it can shift your artistry. There's that uncertainty. Yeah. Uncertainty, uncertainty, uncertainty. Yeah. Uncertainty. Yeah. Push and pull. Yeah. So I I think like that's the hard part. Like knowing that no one is going to have your back. Like I'm not paying into a pension. I don't have like Mm. I can't apply for EI necessarily. Like like that is the challenge that I'm feeling the older I get. And and like knowing how to make it sustainable is the challenge. Yes, that is very true. Um, a lot of artists have that challenge and, and thus uh, most of the time we do our art and we have a side gig on like yeah on the side you know um, the goal of course is to make money from our art works but at the same time like we all know that we have to get a job have you just tried being richer <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I know, I know. It's like, and it's like that, you know. Um, sad thing with Toronto is that most people aren't going to get, like, buy a place unless they're born into wealth. Yeah. But, like, from, from what I, I, I was saying is that, yeah, most of the time people have to have a second gig, a side gig, you yeah. know, something that can pay the bills. You get the space to just, like, be away from your art. Yeah. For a second. And being away from your art gives you the ability to come back and feel rejuvenated enough to like start afresh and get this new idea. I'm, for instance, in a den 
So the creation process or my ability to create, yes, I'm doing the daily thing and whatnot, but it's going to deteriorate in there just because it's a dark, secluded room. Mm. It's like isolating as hell. I think that if all I did was like sit at home and try and write songs, I would like completely lose my mind Mm. because there wouldn't be enough inputs. So the only reason I'm making as much art as I am now is because I got really, really lucky. And uh, in my mid twenties, I started to model and there's a market for the way that I look. Okay. So I just do like e-com, which is like front side back shots. Like, you know, when you click on an item on the website. Yeah. And it's like, I don't have a thought in my mind. (laughs) I go to work. I eat the catering. I get my face beat. It's like amazing. I'm so lucky. Nice. I'm so, so lucky. And you are always like meeting new people Mm -hmm. and picking up different vibes going to different parts of the city. Um, If you luck out, you get really, really good catering, which (laughs) I used to work in in the art sector, like in nonprofit art sector. Nice. And uh, there was no catering, period. There were no perks. So (laughs) yeah, I'm like loving, loving this part-time job. But again, like going back to how being an emerging artist, like you start thinking, is this sustainable? Like with modeling, there is less work for you as you get older. And so sometimes I feel like I'm balancing these plates and like one is eventually going to fall. And so it's just like how long I can hold up the plates. Mm. And so like before I started modeling, I would definitely think about my appearance. But my value wasn't in my appearance because I had so much body dysmorphia. I just thought I was a hag and I was ugly. So (laughs) now that I'm modeling, I'm like, okay, like I need to look as young as I can for as long as I can. Okay. And it creates this like additional external pressure. I mean, like as a woman, there's already so much pressure to not look old. Yeah. But like now there's like more because it's this domino effect in my mind that like if I start visibly aging, then maybe I'll get less work and then maybe I won't be able to create art anymore because I'll have to get a different job. So I'm like super, super lucky to have this work out for me in this season. Thank you so much. But I don't know how long, how long this is going to be like what I can do. So Mm. um, I totally agree that having a side hustle is like amazing. But speaking from experience, when I had a side hustle that was paying me like an hourly wage, like $20 an hour, um, I used to have like another part-time job where I led tours at a creative co-working space. Mm -hmm. It's like, you feel like you can't win. You go there, yeah. you're you're earning like in a city this expensive, like that's just not enough to get by unless you're like living with a million people, which I've done most of my time in Toronto. Oof. <laughs> Oof. Roommate life. I, I I love the roommate life, but I'm a sickie. Yeah. Most people are not like me. I'm not like you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, a, I'm a freak of nature. I love roommates. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's tough. It's tough if you're working one of those jobs where you're making like, let's say like 1600 to 2000 a month working mm. like 24 hours a week. I've also tried working full time and making art and I just could not. I was so burnt out. Like I just got sick all the time. I worked in communications when I was younger, working like nine to five. And I just like felt like I was going to die all the time. Like I did it for two years and Mm. I barely held it together. Um, I don't know how people do it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And what you're saying, there is a lot of truth to it. You know, um, there are some gigs, though, 
and there are some gigs where you you do it and like you have to do it yeah you know just to just to live life and it drains your ability to create what you want in the end it i i used to do events and stuff a long time ago and i was at some point in which i was doing them so frequently and it was it was yeah it was like a 20 dollar like what aspect of the event were you doing i was doing waiter like i was a waiter oh that's so hard yeah <laughs> i know oh, i was a waiter I, and then like i did a li- <laughs> i did a little bit of bartending towards the end but oh, i was yeah, like no that's I'm, tough that's really tough i was just like no i'm not doing this again cuz like like i got to a point in which i was like okay like I'm going to this event. I'm working 12-hour, 13-hour shifts. Sometimes I would do a 15-hour shift. I'd come home. I'd sleep for two days. I would be like, no, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to create. I don't have the capacity for my my creative spree or anything like that. And, yeah, that was the time I was like, screw yeah, exactly, this. Exactly. But at the same time, I was fortunate enough to go out of that. You know, mm-hmm. not a lot of people are. And that's where counting your blessings comes in. Yeah. And like when people can't do what we're doing, like people who are listening, it's like, don't blame yourself. Yeah. Maybe just like right now it's not working out and that sucks. And you don't need to personalize that as like a character flaw or like something that's wrong with you. The challenge is I spend I've spent so much time being like, why am I such a late bloomer? Like, why didn't why didn't I start earlier? Why didn't yeah. I take this risk at that point? Or why didn't I have certain people to support me in certain ways? Yeah. And it's about like pulling back from that way of thinking for me and being like, I don't know if everything happens for a reason, but it's all happened and it's going to turn out for the best. Yeah. And our art is informed by those experiences and those seasons of when we couldn't. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say this. A good book, I recommend anybody listen Mm. to it, is Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Worth it. Worth Mm. it. Um, Navigating the music industry. This is an important one, especially as an emerging artist, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Can you discuss any challenges you have faced navigating in the music industry first? Yeah, I think... I haven't navigated the music industry. I've just Mm. been sort of like marooned on an island doing my own thing. That's a nice way of putting it. I feel like music industry would imply like... No, or more like the music industry of Toronto. Yeah, like the scene, I guess. Um, Musicians that you are associated with, Mm. right? So you're like your island of the Mm. music scene. Oh, okay. I understand. I think um, for me, it's more about like making art with people I really like and enjoy making things with. And uh, I think sometimes Toronto, like at its worst, can kind of be like a bit of a cloudy city. Like, I don't know if you feel that way, but it's kind of like people don't have a lot of time. And so they're trying to figure out if you know anybody or if you're going to be like a helpful contact, you know, Mm. because they're like just trying to pay their rent. And if you're not, then you kind of maybe get thrown aside. I don't know if you've ever felt that way in this city, but. Um, I've been secluded. Like, <laughs> You've been like, in a uh, den. Like, I've been in a den. Like uh, the people I interact with mostly aren't from Canada. That's so cool. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was saying at its worst, I think sometimes Toronto can be a little bit like that because it's a big city. But at its yeah. best, like making those mutual 
relational spaces mm-hmm. and i see this as one you know thank you yeah and in my own artist practice like it's about finding the people that i can sustain a mutually beneficial mm. enjoyable relationship over the long haul like not for the next project but for the next like 30 40 50 years how do you approach networking and building relationships within music I think sometimes you get this grabby, grabby feeling like when you're around people who are super successful, you're like, oh my gosh, like I need to make a positive impression on them. Mm. But I think so much of what we've been talking about in this conversation has been about like staying in your own lane and and believing in the value of what you're doing, even if no one else can see it yet. So for networking, like I love to meet new people, but Mm. I also like remove that pressure of being like if someone is successful and maybe a valuable contact that I have to show them what I've got and like Justin Bieber sang for Usher be like I can sing too (laughs) like and and my partner is definitely like this like he is directed two films and like he will be the last one to say that like you'll know him for for years and and there will be developments in his life and you just won't mention them (laughs) (laughs) but like I think letting letting vulnerability and and connection happen bit by bit over time is like so valuable and not spreading yourself too thin like not feeling like you have to connect with everybody you really don't like Mm. as humans like we don't need that many people we only need like uh a few good ones a handful of good people a few good ones like if you have if you have friends that you can count on one hand that would be there for you at three in the morning that's perfect that's amazing yeah like there's that saying it's it's better to have one good friend one loyal friend than what the whole world considered it as friends you know because yeah. once something goes wrong the whole world is not going to be there for you it's just that one person who really cares for you who will have your back so 100 percent did you hear um, that Alyssa? <laughs> um, I, but that's how i feel in my artist practice where i'm like like uh, if i'm building relationships on like the pretext that i'm going to get something from this person later like it's just not like worth it you know it's too Mm. much pressure it feels too smarmy like i would rather just like vibe with the people i vibe with and like invest in those relationships as much as i can exactly and so i think like when it comes to networking like i've talked to people because i used to like work in this space where a lot of networking was happening all the time Mm -hmm. and people would be like oh my gosh i feel so uncomfortable at this event I'm like, you know, like, just take the pressure off because if you make something of value and you keep making your art, you will make something of value. Yeah. Um, The right people will find it um, eventually. Yeah. So long as you put yourself out there. And that can mean just showing up to the event, you know? And I think um, networking the way that we, like, think about networking is actually... I feel like people think with networking, you have to put a facade on. and i i believe with networking i want to be close to them i want to form more than a business um type of vibe you know i I want it to be also on a friendly level in which like we could be acquainted with each other we could go have a drink we could talk about something and like for me that's what i like And, and with doing that i have to give in like i have to produce myself and not a facade because if i produce a facade then in time this person will know that okay i'm faking it yeah you know and that just doesn't help 
as you said, you like with connecting, you want to have people in the long run, yeah. moreover anything. And with that, you have to be vulnerable with them. You know, um, the, there is, yes, the possibility that you're going to be vulnerable with someone and they're going to crush your soul. Um, yes. <laughs> but, yes, there is. <laughs> but at the same time, like, don't let that per that one person stop you. Man, you know? I am uh, a cancer, just so sensitive, like the bottom soft underbelly. Like I yeah. just rejection is so hard for me. Yeah. So I totally agree with you. I just can't. I know. <laughs> I don't and, know how. <laughs> and, and honestly, it's just in order in order to conquer that fear of like constant re of, of rejection at all, you have to put yourself in that scenario. Yeah, and and most of the time it's easy to look at the negative more than it is the positive and yeah we all say that yeah we all say that like just look at the positive you know like you could do it but like and the moment you get a small sense of positivity you'll feel that really outweigh all that negativity that is around you like if you do just keep asking people it doesn't feel insurmountable forever and the re the feeling of rejection you start to become more resilient and, yeah. and processing that feeling yeah as a musician like i get so many no's and then as a model i also get so many no's and yeah. those are harder to and not you're take resilient there because they're like we don't <laughs> like the way you look <laughs> like that's pretty much what it is like or that's rough or you don't have the yeah. right look for this setting or this opportunity right and like over time that makes the yeses you, you value them more. You do value them more. And you get a sense of like expansiveness in the world that yeah. um, rejection doesn't define you. And and there is a place for your art or, yeah. or your, your presence. Yeah. And with herd mentality, we all. I like love with, being in a herd. <laughs> I then, love then, being in a herd. <laughs> with, I love a trend. Right. But at the same time with herd mentality, like on social media and whatnot or news, we drive towards the negative more over anything. I love and, negativity. <laughs> but when you're alone, you actually think for yourself and you're not in that herd mentality. And you're like, I value, I need some positivity here. Yeah. You know? So like, yeah, very, very important. Um, so thank you for that. Thank you way. for that. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. You're very welcome. You are too. <laughs> um, resources for musicians. Yeah. Can you discuss any resources or tools that you have utilized to grow your musical career? Yeah. The first thing is relationships. Mm -hmm. Like having your friends and your family. So vital. And then beyond that, your collaborative relationships. Mm. And then beyond that, setting up your life in a way that your mental health is is being um, pruned and watered constantly. Mm -hmm. um, for me, that's been vital. Um, I think finding the people that believe in you. It's hard, but once you find them, you got to just hold on to them. You have to hold on to them. Like I, I have a friend who's taken me on and they've become my manager. And... They are just constantly funneling opportunities my way. Mm. And it took me a long time to find him. And I found him in a very surprising way. So um, I think relationships are like the primary resources that that I draw on and I try and like give back into in my practice. 
Um, the other thing is grants. Like for a long time, I didn't, I felt so intimidated by grants. Mm -hmm. I felt like, you know what? Like, I'm not going to get it. Like I'm not there yet. So regarding grants, like mm -hmm. I think I've only recently started going for them because my partner has always just gone for grants. Yeah. And, um, like don't self-select out of it. Like really mm. don't. Mm. What, what grant? What grants do you go for? I know there's I'm, like you're probably like Canada Council. I just <laughs> I just went for Canada Council, so we'll see what happens. Oh, it's my first time. Nice. Congrats. I got um I got an OAC grant, but just because of who I applied with, like I applied with someone who had done it before. Mm -hmm. And then I just got artist development from Factor, which is like a starter grant. And oh, I, I failed getting that in the past. So, yeah, yeah, it can be so discouraging when you put like 10 plus hours into a grant. And you don't get it. And, yeah. But like, don't give up. It's so worth it. Yeah. Something's happening outside. Don't worry. It's, it's part of the ambiance. Ambiance. <laughs> So grants, uh, so grants, relationships. And mental health. And mental health. Wait, wait, you'd consider mental health a resource? Yeah. Can you elaborate on that? Well, like when challenges come our way, if we've built up like healthy habits, like sleep hygiene, um, like resilient thinking, mm. um, self-love, like those things help us weather the challenges of those of those uh those obstacles you know mm. I, i never thought of it that way that's that's actually a smart way to think of it i just i think like sometimes we think about our bodies for example as something that we use but that's like a very disembodied way to look at life mm -hmm. uh yeah uh can you give any specific experiences or insights you have gained from utilizing particular resources well, regarding grants, if you want to apply for Canada Council, mm -hmm. like use use the officers as a resource. Like call them, the people who work for the granting organization. You can call them. They they're paid for by the government to help you, so you like really do need to call them. And their Canada Council is really nice. Like they'll, I've talked to like three people on the phone from Canada Council, and they've all been exceptionally nice. So just. Just call them and, and use them as a resource.